Good morning, planet Earth. It's 4.13 in the morning in Virginia Beach, Virginia. On October 14th, Wednesday. We are enjoying the very mild climate we've experienced from upstate Pennsylvania to central New Jersey now to about seven hours south of there, Virginia Beach, basically a three months differential. When I went for my walk in um, upstate Pennsylvania, I was freezing, the air was freezing. It was really bad in terms of cold. All the trees were turning orange and yellow. And here, there's no yellow trees. It is very much very much a um, a different world. And um, we're enjoying the uh, we're enjoying it very much. So I have to uh, I have to say that Baltimore we went to oh we went to Fredericksburg, which was a very cute town that was the uh, birthplace of George Washington and it contains a uh, Washington's mother's university, Mary Washington University. themselves the most historic city in America. Now we drove by um, Jamestown and the other historic towns here on the way down and maybe we'll go visit them. Our primary purpose right now Well, tomorrow is our anniversary. Oh my God. It's a final place, we, a spot that we like. So this is actually my vacation. Two days of driving. My dad would have driven it in uh, 24 hours down to Florida, but uh, we don't really do it like that. 
like to stop and smell the roses. And uh, stopping and smelling the roses is kind of what I've been thinking about on my way down. We were talking about um, <clears throat> let me uh, grab some coffee and then we're going to continue here okay so as I was saying this wind is not too much Oh yeah, the 7-Eleven didn't have coffee, they were closed. So I'm gonna go to this 24-hour shopping. The coffee at the hotel room was horrible. And they only gave us two cups of it. So we need to find a serious source of coffee. I see Mars. <clears throat> and uh, I hear more chirping than I did up north in New Jersey because it started to die down and it cooled down. It's a very nice climate here. <clears throat> so, so uh, we're talking about these different functions. I'm going to continue, so if you don't want to hear about that, you can try and skip forward, and um, I can't promise you how long we're going to go, and maybe I'll do some clips because we've got some time. So I do have some juicy clips and things to cover, and those were some pretty popular segments. We were getting, you know, 12 views on... Uh, some of my clip shows with controversial topics but you know <clears throat> before I get into the boring stuff I'm not really trying to just cover controversy and I do want to have original thought and um, original thought takes time to develop but you know we are developing it here so as we speak and as we go for these walks together, we're working on these ideas that one day might be big. So you're watching the sausage being made. Now I know it's pretty boring. People just want to have the sausage served on their plate. So, we did have some pretty good sausages yesterday in Williamsburg, uh, Fredericksburg. Uh, <clears throat> there was a uh, beer garden, a German pub, that was pretty good. And we had the Bavarian pretzel, and we had some Hefeweizen, and uh, pretty damn good. Let's see if they got coffee going on here at this shopping center. 
They said it was 24 hours. Looks pretty much deserted to me. I see a couple cars. So, but they say if you can't, if you can stop doing something, then stop it. Right? But if it drives you, it's your passion. Harris Teeter Food Market and Pharmacy. It's supposed to be 24-7. Let's test that hypothesis. Doesn't look open to me. Looks pretty much closed. 24-7. I don't see this. Oh, new store hours. 7 a.m. Look at that. We'll open at 6 a.m. Thank you, Google. You're off. So we're going to update our Google uh, Maps. Let me just pause the recording here. All right. Well, it's pretty crazy that uh, 7-Eleven, they have a 7-Eleven every two blocks. But uh, it seems to work for them. <clears throat> yeah, that store was closed. And then I tried to update the t hours on Google and it wanted me to update it manually for every day. So I just did two days. It's like, I don't have time to do seven days it's like update your software google i thought you're supposed to be awesome well let's see if the google ai will uh hear this message <clears throat> google ai listen to me you need to be able to allow people to edit store hours you know what it should just be able to figure it out from what i just said if it's really smart, and it's not. <clears throat> but that's okay. It actually should make us feel safe that, that it's not so smart. Because if it was so smart, we would be all in danger. Okay. So yesterday... We talked about these different functions and using the compiler for different purposes. I don't know if I, that's, a, that's what I, I wrote down. I don't know if I actually, um, I actually took notes yesterday and um, I put together some ideas so I can go over that based upon what we podcasted. I wrote down some more stuff and I thought about it in the car. So let's get into that now. Okay. So we discussed quickly, or we mentioned, we didn't really discuss the coin function, but we basically discussed having repurposing existing functions for doing other things. That's kind of what 
the gist of all of this is. We have something that does one thing, and we want to change it to get it to do another. And we want to try and capture some of the information along the way. Like they said in the LLVM project, they wanted to add in bookkeeping and accounting information to help make IDEs and editors. Right? So we can consider, let's say we want to make documentation. We want to make wrappers, language wrappers. So in order to use one, oh my God, that's, that moon is just crazy. It's the crescent moon right over the sea coming up. That's crazy. Oh my God, I have to go take a picture of that. Okay, that moon is nuts. And I'm gonna make that our picture. Once I get down to the beach, I'll take some snaps of it. So, <clears throat> we got some basic ideas about being lazy, right? And uh, repurposing existing code to do other things, to use it for other purposes. And it's not just... We don't want to just do that with this code. We want to be able to do it with a lot of other code. Right, that's like the basic idea. <clears throat> now, using um, the perf tools, you can set breakpoints on the kernel side and extract information from any point in a program. And, um, Kind of interesting how, uh, and I think with the uh, what's it called, Creo checkpoint and restoring user space, you can um, capture the entire memory contents of a program and transfer it. It's kind of like a hacking tool. I mean, it's based on hacking technology. Um, it's kind of a hack. Uh, <clears throat> so that's something that you could use and they don't even um, but I'm sure that it would they don't even um, modify the code to get that to work But I'm sure that there's um, there's places where you're going to have to modify the code or have deeper knowledge of the program. Morning. All right, there's the 7-Eleven. Let's pray that this one's open.
indoor skydiving. That's some crazy stuff here in Virginia Beach. I wonder how they're doing now with the COVID. It says, yeah, it looks like they're open. 13,000 feet of virtual free fall. Check this off your bucket list. All right. All right. Well, it looks like this, um, this place is open. So let's uh, put this on pause and get us some coffee. The fuel for this podcast is definitely coffee, and I'm missing my amazing coffee from home. Okay, kids. We are now back in business. We got our fresh coffee. And, um... Let's just hope that the uh, homeless people don't bug me. Because I have some here. Sorry about the noise. Look at that power washing at four in the morning. All right. So, um, let's kind of break this down. I'm going to take it slow, okay? Can't assume everything is obvious. So you have all of this software and all of it is open source. Let's just go through some basic ideas. And you have all this information about it. So we have a ton of extra information, which gives us clues and hints about resolving questions about what the meaning of any particular piece is. So, that's important. Now, the next step is not only to oh my god, look at that moon. I think that's Venus as well. So Venus is just over the moon, it looks like. That is crazy. Cray cray. Okay, I have to take some pictures of this now before we go any further. This is gonna be our album art for today. back again I'm just jumping around here Um, but let's uh, I'm gonna have lots of small clips because I'm getting interrupted and all types of stuff's happening but uh, so we're gonna we're gonna try and define openness 
mathematically as the, de the degree or the depth of the data that's available about something. Where if it's an encrypted message, right, the amount of information we have is like zero. And if it's like a piece of code that we just wrote, or let's say, say some open, even if it's just we wrote it, that doesn't mean that it's actually open in terms of, let's say in a hundred years, what we could glean from it. So we want to kind of define openness in some mathematical way that kind of brings in the amount of data that's directly available to the processor. Well, because you could be running it inside of some big company and it's not really open, but it's available. So open to the public or available to you. I mean, the depth of the metadata that's available and openness would be very deep data that's available to everybody. Let's say the Linux kernel. Right? That would be like a gold standard for openness. Okay, so... Mmm. The 7-Eleven coffee's not bad. I guess this wind is going to be horrible on the podcast, but... We're just gonna have to deal with it, I guess. I gotta move over one street away from the beach. So we, we can define openness mathematically, I think, and then we can say that questions that arise in the source code that are not completely obvious, if they can be resolved in that body by a human, or the terms can be found like what's the percentage of the variables and names being mentioned in the sort in the, in the in the body of uh, text associated with the code and i also was saying you know we could encode all of that body of knowledge into a function and pass that in and make it available. Like gigabytes, terabytes of metadata. 
Well, and we also, I also wrote down like eighth grade math. So eighth grade, uh, eighth grade, right for the eighth grader. So we'll define the vocabulary, the standard vocabulary of an eighth grader. And then we have to define and explain all the terms that are not in that basic vocabulary. <clears throat> and we have to do so in a hierarchy, like that builds up from nothing. And um, we want to uh, also build up our concepts in a hierarchy so we can explain them. So the serialization of ideas for learning. This is like a topology. Um, so what am I saying here? Well, I'm trying to think about how we can define the actual the processing and give some better terms on whether or not these words occur, um, words are defined. Like, how can we actually extract definitions from this body of text? Not easily. But maybe with difficulty. And maybe we'll have to leave it up to a human and just say, these are the terms that are defined, these are the terms that are mentioned. But we're not clear if they are defined yet. And we could give that as a person to a person to allow them to allow them to um, to make that extra step so that would be documentation so we have a documentation function and we want to document the source code or understand it And part of that understanding would be like to build up a hierarchy and then start from foundational knowledge at first principles and uh, build it all up. And that could be somewhat automated or guided. This is kind of where my mind is going. And that's just one of the functions. That's just one of the functions. That we want to enable. Besides compiling. So. Besides compiling the code and running the code. We also want to make it self-documenting. interactive like events. Alright. 
take another break here.